It's so heartbreaking to see what's happening in Italy. What happened to your friend? Um, what happened was that when his uncle was diagnosed positive to the coronavirus, he was hospitalized. And after that point, he couldn't see his family or his friends anymore. This is a safety measure that they've been taking in Italy. And uh, so his uncle, his uncle actually died a few days after. He was alone in the hospital. None of his uh, loved ones could say goodbye to him. And this is the situation of thousands of people. You're listening to the voice of Sarah Principi, who is from Italy and graduated in biomedical engineering and then moved to Spain for a PhD in medical technology. She's here as a postdoctoral researcher at the Medical College of Wisconsin, where she does computational modeling of CT scan clinical scenarios. She has families and friends in Italy, and in this podcast episode, Sarah will share her story of her family situation in Italy and what we can learn from their situation since the whole world is watching Italy as a preview of what may happen in the U.S. if we do not flatten the curve. Hello, friends. This is the What is Public Health podcast with your host, Dr. Ki Chan. I have a special friend here, Sarah, who's going to share her perspective living through and thriving through the coronavirus pandemic. She has family in Europe who is also experiencing the coronavirus pandemic. And so I think her perspective and insight and tips on living and thriving through this pandemic can help us as a community here locally in Milwaukee and also globally as a society to move forward in uh, surviving through this pandemic. So Sarah, how are you doing right now? Hi, Ki. I'm, I'm more or less okay. So I, as you said, I'm working uh, here in the United States at the Medical College of Wisconsin in, uh, in Wauwatosa, Milwaukee. Uh, I moved here about one year and a half ago from Spain. I was working there. I got my PhD in biomedical engineering in Barcelona, and but I'm originally from Italy. So my family, my friends, my closest friends are in Italy right now. Uh, I'm more or less okay. I'm, I've been working from home. I'm at home now for one week now. Uh, I went out actually just once during this week just to do grocery shopping and I talked uh, during the last month I would say pretty much with my parents with my brother and uh, and with my friends especially the ones that are in Italy and that are uh, pretty much affected about this uh, coronavirus pandemic. Uh, So I mean I'm okay I'm not uh, that worried about myself or the fact that I will probably have to stay home here uh, in Milwaukee for a long time. Uh, what worries me is uh, actually that despite the measures that have been taken so far, uh, the situation is not really improving in Italy. So where my family is, where my closest friends are. And uh, I'm a bit worried the situation here in the United States as well, of course. So I know that you said you're from Italy and you have families and friends in Italy. And how are they doing right now? Um, you know, I know you said that you talked to them more frequently. And I think that's probably similar to many of us now. We're probably making our personal phone calls more frequently to our loved ones who are maybe not near us or maybe who is who are maybe living locally, but we can't visit them. So, mm-hmm. and given that the situation seems to have worsened over time, like how are they doing and how are you handling it? Yeah. So none of my family members or my friends are sick due to the coronavirus. Um, They took very seriously, I must say that they took very seriously all the warnings. Also before the government, the Italian government imposed the national lockdown. That was more than two weeks ago now. 
and uh, they are going out one time per week, even less uh, for doing groceries. They work from home, all of them. Uh, however, I mean, apart from this, there are other factors to be taken into account. For instance, during the last two weeks, my brother, he got fired. And uh, with all the difficulties that being fired this time imply, because there are no open job positions, there is the impossibility basically of going out and people are stuck in the city where they were at the moment of the lockdown. So in fact, in Italy, uh, here is not the case, but in Italy with the lockdown restrictions that took place in March 9th, all movements across the country have been drastically uh, constrained. So they gave up seeing their parents, their relatives, friends, their daily lives, basically. Also, the situation is, is kind of dramatic when, when you know someone with the uh, coronavirus who requires hospitalization. In fact, uh, recently, one of my friends, uh, he lost his uncle. Um, what happened was that when his uncle was diagnosed positive to the coronavirus, he was hospitalized. And after that point, he couldn't see his family or his friends anymore. This is a safety measure that they've been taking in Italy. And uh, so his uncle, his uncle actually died a few days after. He was alone in the hospital. None of his uh, loved ones could say goodbye to him. And this is the situation of thousands of people. Uh, so, I mean, it can be your, your uncle, it can be your mother, your father, your grandfather, and so on. So even if we think, I mean, I'm 33 years old. So even if we think we are young, we are healthy, we have to be responsible for ourselves, but also for all the other people. So this is very important to me. And anyway, I mean, also younger people are dying, but uh, of course the, the percentage of death is more for people that are around their 70s or 80s. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear about your friend's uncle and many others who have been affected um, from this coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And it is a sad situation that because of the strict policy that visitors are now allowed, but, you know, could, I just wonder, like, under these special circumstances, mm -hmm. can visitors visit their loved ones, um, like, during, if they're near a deaf experience? They can, in some cases, if they're not uh, connected to ventilators, for instance, if they're in the hospital, they can talk to them by phone. Sometimes they, they, they make them call their family or friends. But uh, other than that, they're not allowed um, relatives close to the, uh, to the person who's uh, positive to the coronavirus and uh, is in, in the hospital. This mm -hmm. is a safety measure because they're trying really to, uh, to constrain the, the virus the most that they can constrain the spread of the virus. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, the, we still don't understand the origin of the virus and just how the biology of the virus is really mm -hmm. working. I mean, there's a lot of speculations and theories, um, but it just seems such a sad situation that you're like being there alone and not being able to have anyone near you at that sp specific time of someone's life and near life. And I just wonder, is it because that we don't have enough gowns and mask and gloves that we could spare to loved ones to use because we do have a shortage of all these hospital equipment and outfits, right? That most doctors would wear, but I mean, if they could spare one for family members, but I just don't think that we have enough to go around. 
I, I don't know exactly how it works. I mean, everybody now in Italy has their own masks and their own gloves because for going to grocery shopping, you have to wear masks and gloves. So I don't know the situation in these cases. I don't know if it's because in the hospital, the, the conditions of the hospital, they're really uh, overwhelmed by the situation. And there are so many uh, people with the coronavirus, the hospitals are full, the doctors and nurses are working even 17 hours a day. That's what I read. You mentioned that it was interesting that in Italy, is everyone required to wear a mask regardless if they're infected? So someone who's healthy should be wearing a mask and gloves just in case they may be spreading it when they go outside. Uh, there is no police checking on that, on gloves and, and uh, the use of gloves and masks, but people are strongly recommended to wear them, especially, as I said, now you can go out just for grocery shopping. So what they do is to wear uh, gloves and masks, and the gloves is because the, the hands uh, are the vehicle of the infection transmission, right? So uh, they, they go to do grocery shopping wearing um, these um, masks and gloves, and uh, when they come back from the grocery shopping, they need to leave, for instance, the, their mask in, in a place in order to kind of um, uh, isolate them, the, the masks, and uh, uh, I don't, I'm not really sure about the, this part actually, about the part with the, uh, if it's actually in a, a policy that the government um, require you to wear them, or it's just kind of um, a recommendation. Well, that's actually a, a good point that we're talking about here is just the different policies or either just or they're just self policies themselves like people taking upon themselves to mm -hmm. just be more precautious about mm -hmm. spreading the virus so this is example of just cultural differences so like in china when the outbreak happened, many of the citizens took it upon themselves to wear masks and gloves in public places while they were working. So banks, people in the groceries, stores, and at schools, like teachers would be wearing masks and gloves, even though they weren't sick or they were affected. They still took upon themselves to wear masks and gloves because for them in their culture, at least in Chinese culture, is that they want to protect you right, who may not be infected in yeah. case that they may be infected, but they, but they don't know because they may be asymptomatic. So yeah, exactly. in some ways, it's like for them, it's a, it's a loving gesture to wear a mask and gloves. In other countries, wearing a mask and gloves, if you're not sick, is almost not recommended because they're trying to reserve masks and gloves, given that there is a shortage that the masks and gloves should be worn only by people who are currently sick, and doctors or health health workers. So it's very interesting, like just something as simple as masks and gloves and why it's being worn has different reasons just based on different, I guess, cultural differences and just understanding that people are doing these type of gestures based on what they understand and from where they come from. Yeah, I mean, as you said, you can be asymptomatic but still have the coronavirus. So yeah. mm -hmm. um, that's why the, the recommendation or policy is to wear uh, masks and gloves because actually you, you can go out for like 14 days, which is more or less the incubation period of the virus, I think, and you think you're healthy while you're not. So 
this is uh, one of the reasons. And also, I mean, also for doing grocery shopping, actually, there is a limit of people that can be simultaneously inside the grocery store. So there are actually um, lines outside the stores and you have to keep the safety distance while in line. And of course, once you are inside the grocery store as, as well, you have to guarantee the six feet safety distance between, uh, between people. Wow. So I could imagine that there's must be a huge line considering that if only a few people can go inside the grocery store at a time and they have to maintain distance. So yeah, my friends are actually shopping at the weirdest hours of the day in order to avoid very long waits in the lines. But I mean, people, uh, the good thing is that people are accepting this. So it's something that we need to do to be better and they're doing it and they're not complaining. So that's, mm. that's good. Yeah, that's good to hear that change can be hard and sometimes it's met with resistance. Mm -hmm. But understanding that change is the most constant thing in our life and that mm -hmm. the faster we can adapt to change is the better that we can move forward and mm -hmm. understand our new reality. So it sounds to me that your family is doing well, although you did have a friend's family member who passed away. But more or less, they're all doing well and they had to adjust the situation. But, you know, here in the U.S., it's really been just a, over, a little over a week since our change of a reality, at least here in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. How has it been for, especially in Europe, where they've had experienced this pandemic much more early on? And how have like, them staying in longer and how has that changed the reality in their life? Well, now um, they don't uh, go out. They work from home. They're, my friends are mainly you know, doing things that before they wouldn't do, like painting or watch that movie, read that book, these things. Uh, they cannot see their parents or friends, so they talk a lot uh, by phone or video calls, and, you know, they just let time pass uh, in this way. So um, they're, they're fine. Uh, let's say they're fine. They may be a bit bored, but uh, it's, it's what it is. So they're just accepting the situation and uh, they're of course worried, especially for the elderly member of their family. So their parents, their grandparents, and um, this is the main, yes, the, the, the main worry they have for now. And of course, uh, the, the fact that in Italy, especially, I mean, I'm talking about Italy because it's the situation and not better. Um, is not really slowing down that much. We still have a lot of death and new cases. So just, I was reading this morning, uh, there are today new positive, uh, 3,600 new positive cases with respect to yesterday and uh, 740 deaths, new deaths. Uh, <clears throat> this is today with respect to yesterday after two weeks of lockdown. So, I mean, the, the situation is, it's pretty scary, let's say, but uh, we have to, to face it in the best way we know, being responsible, aware of the situation, taking all the safety measures they are suggesting us or imposing to us, and do our part in this sense. Yeah, those are scary numbers. And mm -hmm. hopefully over time with the stricter policy and social distancing and as testing becomes more widely available mm -hmm. and treatment could be on its way soon that we'll hopefully see these numbers go down. 
Yeah. So you know, given what has happened in Europe and also in the U.S., like how satisfied are you with the public health emergency response preparedness to this whole coronavirus pandemic? Like, is there anything else that could be done or improved just based from your personal perspectives? So for, I mean, my, my, my family, my friends, when they uh, go out and after they do grocery store shopping or yeah, whatever they're doing mainly, yeah, as I said, for grocery shopping, unless you have to go to the, to the pharmacy. When they come back home, uh, what they do is they throw away or they disinfect the gloves that they've been using. They leave their shoes outside or in the balconies. They pass like sanitizing wipes on all the packages that they took at the supermarkets. They isolate the, clo- the clothes that, that they were using when they went out for at least 48 hours. And um, at home also they wear clothes that they have never used uh, to, go, to go outside during the pan- pandemic. And so, I mean, they are taking this um, precaution and uh, respect the healthcare system. I think they're, they're um, working a lot. They're, they're doing good also that the government, I must say that, I think that it did go so far, it took, uh, the measures maybe in some cases that dis- disposed the lockdown earlier in some cities which are actually now doing better than others um, regarding the lockdown for instance in Milan maybe in Milan they should have uh, avoid people to go to work earlier uh, I think it's because Milan is the economic epicenter of Italy and at the beginning they were trying to avoid an economic crisis but now it's kind of we are in an economic crisis and a healthcare system crisis. Another difference, I mean, a difference between the Italian healthcare system and the US healthcare system is that in Italy it's, it's public, it's granted, and uh, it's free of charge for the residents and the citizens. So this, I think, might also be a, a big uh, difference and a more difficult here to, to, to approach it, especially for uh, low-income families to approach this, uh, this emergency here in the United States. Yeah, I can imagine that, that there were difficult choices in the beginning in deciding which cities to lock down and at what degree, like, should we first lock down? It's like, how has employment changed since the new guidelines to stay home, work remo- remotely, and to participate in social distancing? I mean, I know that you mentioned that you came here um, for a postdoctoral fellowship, and so how has, how has that changed? And do you see that that might impact research there? Uh, luckily, in my case, I work um, more in, on my PC. I do computational modeling, so it's more programming. And this is easier to, I, I can do it easily from home as well. Uh, I can connect remotely to my uh, work uh, location at, at the Medical College of Wisconsin, so it doesn't affect me that much. Of course, we have some experiments set for the next month that we have to cancel, so we are going um, for sure to face some delay in my project. And uh, my postdoc, my research stay here, it includes also a research stay in Stanford, so in um, Palo Alto. And I'm not sure how the situation will evolve, uh, but my stay was supposed to start on June the 1st. Uh, probably we have to, to delay it as well, also because, yeah, 
everything is kind of delayed now. My experiments, probably my stay, um, is not uh, is not uh, convenient from, of course, from from this point of view, from uh, for my work. When you come here to the states to do a postdoctoral fellowship, there's already an agreement. Um, usually, that it usually lasts for one to two years or three years, depending upon the agreement. So your employment is pretty much locked down, <laughs> um, uh, yep. no pun intended, given the situation, um, as opposed to many other people who may, you know, their employment is still uncertain given the situation. Yeah. In my case, I think uh, at least I I do not worry to lose my job because we have NIH funding. So it's it's fine i'm kind of limited in time because of my visa as well this is another issue i have because i'm i'm um, from abroad i yeah. have two congresses actually coming up one in july in uh, mm -hmm. vancouver and one in august in germany mm -hmm. and uh, for now uh, they didn't cancel the congresses uh, but i mean we have to wait because we never know i know there's so many uncertainty right yeah um, exactly um, things that we Things that we've taken for granted, right? Mm -hmm. um, we can't really plan anything at this point. Yeah. So this also, yeah, I think you had just mentioned how your friends had to, you know, took advantage of the situation of being at home by learning new, um, by taking up hobbies, old hobbies, new hobbies, painting, or, you know, or even catching up with friends mm -hmm. and family. Yes. Um, but here is also like thinking about, okay, well, you know, given that the situation, like what else, like what, you know, if we're, if we're not able to go to these conferences, like are there other creative ways that you can network professionally? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a couple conference sites that had already canceled, you know, in March, they're offering some virtual conference presentations and virtual networking, which I think is sufficient given the situation, but it mm -hmm. still doesn't replace like the in-person networking, right? The in-person experience. Yes, of course. Also at my college, they are facilitating us to work from home as much as they can. And as I say, I do more computational stuff. So it doesn't, it doesn't really affect that much in my case, my situation, but uh, still in some cases, especially when we have meeting, uh, you know, it's easier when you do it um, in person and it's more complicated for us to do it like remotely. So yeah, there are some limitations, of course. And I mean, we, I guess we can, how to say, um, take advantage, if we can use this word of the pandemic to um, rediscover our talents. Now, now at home, I have the time to uh, take some courses that previously I didn't have the time to, to do them. Now I'm taking online courses. And so I'm trying to improve some skills that I wanted to improve since a long time. And now from, from the, for my, for my job, for my work. And so I'm doing it now. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the power of online, right? So there's a lot um opportunities now that people can explore, like um, be able to explore their, personal entrepreneurship, you know, mm -hmm. like starting something or learning something or even just um, rediscovering their own hobbies. So I think, like you said, I think it's okay to say to take advantage of the opportunity now, given that mm -hmm. this is space and time that is yeah. given to you. Um, how can you turn this, that may seem like a very pessimistic, negative, um, ex uh, I guess, 
event that's happening to us, but how can we see like the lemonade out of these lemons that's given to us? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess people can take the opportunity of this time at home to kind of rediscover their talents, uh, do things that are meaningful to them, uh, take more time for themselves, for their um, husband, kids, uh, think also about uh, how our lives were before, before the, the pandemic, before the lockdown, the quarantine, if our work-life balance was good for us, what we really uh, want to work on, uh, also question uh, our, our previous lives, you know, so um, I, I think we, we should not forget this uh, in the future. Maybe this, this pandemic, these uh, conditions that we are living now should um, kind of trigger some change maybe when all, all this is, is over be finished. Yeah, I agree that I think we will all remember this experience um, one way or the other. And that I think, you know, if like you think about your kids or your friends or your family members, like even just understanding like your relationship to them is going to shift, right? Given that you have much more space and time to reflect on what's most meaningful, right? And mm -hmm. yeah. things that you thought was so important, like then you ask like, was it that important? And things that just seem so minor then you realize how important they are like just the other day you know my husband and i were just thinking like wow like how much we really miss going to the gym like just small little things you didn't think about like it wasn't really the gym like we could work out at home but it was like the people at the gym yeah. like the walk yeah. to the gym together that we had time for ourselves just to like chat and talk and just those simple moments that's now mm -hmm. taken away and you realize how significant they play to make to enrich your life overall Exactly. We, yeah. we have to, to give up to, to these small, small things. Yeah. yeah. And so how has your personal life changed? Uh, my personal life. So luckily, uh, my boyfriend moved here three weeks ago, not because of the spread of the pandemic worldwide, simply it was our decision. And so I'm here uh, with, with him. Uh, so we, we share the same room for work as well because our apartment is not that big uh, it was kind of challenging at the beginning especially because yes mm, online meeting basically the whole day so i'm listening to his voice the whole day <laughs> but um i'm i'm good i mean um i'm happy that he's here so we can share uh, this difficult time because it's kind of challenging time uh, together and um, I'm doing, I'm not really into sport, but I'm following some videos in YouTube and, you know, small things like I do Zumba in YouTube or, or yoga um, once or twice, uh, twice, well, twice a week last week. And uh, yeah, that's it. Well, that's good to hear that um, you have someone in your life that you can experience this, mm -hmm. um, go through this experience together. And I think having support is so important right now and then even for listeners who are out there that might be by themselves i think a lot of people are also feeling um alone by themselves and there are a lot of online platform and communities um, yeah. out there that you can connect with and then and even now might be a good time to know your neighbor i mean you might want to knock on their door and then maybe stand six feet away but maybe have a chit chat to introduce yourself and so, I mean, there's a, I think now is a time to reflect on like the people and the things that are most meaningful in your life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also called uh, more than usual my, my friends uh, all over Europe, my friends I have in Spain, I have 
as I said before, in Italy. So I'm doing uh, video calls much often and uh, it's kind of nice on one side because before I didn't call them that much. Now I, I talk more to them and it's nice. Oh, that's good to hear. Mm -hmm. So as we're coming to a close, I would just love to hear like, where, how do you feel about the coronavirus pandemic? I mean, I know that with the, your family member and now you're here and like, you know, especially over the past few weeks, like given that you probably had a preview of what was happening because you were in contact with your family members mm -hmm. and friends in Italy. So how are you feeling right now? Like, do you feel anxious, hopeful or what, what are your feelings so now? I, I feel, yes, a bit anxious, I must say, but not because I'm worried about myself. I mainly worry, I mainly worry about my, for my parents and my grandmother, because uh, they're kind of old now. And um, I'm, I'm okay uh, in here. I mean, I'm a bit frustrated, especially when about, you know, one week ago, people were not taking it so seriously here in the United States. So for me, it was kind of a frustration because when I said, I think you should stay home. I, sh I think you should cancel that birthday dinner. I think you should cancel uh, that, uh, I don't know, hiking or whatever. Uh, they are not taking you really seriously and maybe they think you are exaggerating. And this was, this was me also maybe one month and a half ago, you know, but now <laughs> seeing what happened to in Italy, what's happening in uh, Europe, especially in France and Spain, um, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. So I, I don't want to, I'm not saying that we should uh, have fear or, but uh, we should be very careful. We should worry about this situation in the sense that uh, we have to take all the precautions that, that we can, all the safety measures. We, can, we have to be responsible and aware of, of the situation worldwide and uh, try to avoid uh, what's happening there, uh, try to avoid it here in the United States. I mean, probably it's too late already because especially in some cities as in Seattle, I mean, in New York, the situation is already pretty advanced, but uh, we should uh, really be careful, not just for us because, okay, we think we are young and healthy, but we should be careful for other people and it's about everybody, really. It's not just about us, just not about me and you. So uh, I think we should be more um, responsible. Yeah, and I agree with that. I really echo your message that in order for us to move forward, we all have to take personal responsibility so that we collectively as a society can make change, right? I mean, yes, I think, exactly. I think, I think, like uh, just thinking, like, oh, this other person is going to do it. This other person is going to do it. And if everyone thinks that way, then no one's going to do anything. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, exactly. it's so important that we take it upon ourselves and to maybe spread the message. I think it's so important that what you did was that you, you, that you shared your message with other people, like, hey, you know, my family member in Italy, like, this is what, this is what's happening. You really have to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think by echoing that message and spreading your story, people can really understand that this is real. Like, this is not made up news. Like, I don't know, some people might believe that there's fake news, but this is actually real news. Um, but yes, I, I really echo your message. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, we should uh, be responsible also for, for the healthcare system itself, because now they're in such a pressure, under pressure in, in Europe. So it's really important that we take into account also this, because the number of beds 
for ventilators is not unlimited, so the recourses are, are limited. So we have to be uh, to take this into account as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any final tips and advice for us living through this new normal right now? I think we should uh, um, help each other in the sense that we, um, with my friends, I always call them, also the friends that I have here in Milwaukee, I call them every day and, uh, we, you know, we exchange uh, tips or uh, what we've been doing during the day, or what we can do, like, okay, um, I suggest you to, to watch this video, I suggest you to watch this movie, I mean, these very small things but that in the end, I think they can help to, uh, to spend this time uh, in, a, in a good way, even if we are uh, here in, at home all the day and we can't do much. But I mean, we can do small things and uh, talk to our, our loved ones more often. And this, I guess, would help for uh, spending the time at home and uh, not thinking um, too much about this a situation is a just a very uh, you know um, unconvenient thing because we can anyway turn uh, this bad situation into an opportunity as I said before to do other things we we love and maybe we were missing before yeah and so thank you so much for your, your tips and advice there we really appreciate that and if people would like to maybe connect with you um, and maybe just even share stories, because I think this is one of the purpose of my podcast is to really um, have an opportunity for people to connect with each other on common ground, specifically related to public health. Like, you know, what, you know, what's the best way that people can connect with you um, either through LinkedIn or email? Uh, yeah. LinkedIn is fine. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And is there anything else that you would like to add um, as we come to a close? Really, for me, the, the most important message is to be responsible and uh, um, to really, uh, really be aware of the situation uh, outside. So not just look at the United States, look at other countries that passed through this, they're passing through this right now and they're doing much worse now. But I think that the situation in the United States uh, can improve, of course, but we need to be very careful and we need to learn from um, other countries' um, situations as well. So thank you so much, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. If you got questions about any of the episodes, feel free to reach out to me directly. And while you're there at it, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episode that you felt connected with so we could be a part of this collective invisible force called public health. Thanks.